Today, I'm interviewing Holly Rogalski. Holly helps people discover their intuition and gain wisdom from their subconscious so that they can stop overthinking and decision paralysis, especially as they go through identity transformations. So today we're going to be talking about how she lost herself during years of an emotionally abusive marriage. Listening to her inner guidance took practice, but it was eventually her salvation as she embraced her new life. And since then, the skill has helped her navigate every challenge life has thrown at her. Listen in to find out how she did it. You're listening to The Inspired Wave, stories of everyday heroines, real life inspiration. I'm your host, transformational coach and connection catalyst, CJ Rivard. Join me weekly to hear real-life inspiration and tips for tackling your life's challenges. Each week, you'll hear from a relatable woman who shares about her struggles and the tools she used to work through them. By being women of courageous action, vision, and ongoing evolution, each of us can create a ripple of positive impact, and together, we'll create a wave of change. Join us. Hey, well, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I can't wait to introduce you to my new friend, Holly Rogalski, who's got a really inspiring story to share with you. So welcome, Holly. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. Awesome. So to start with, everyone just heard a little bit about you, but can you tell us where you're located and anything you'd like to share? Well, I'm a Texas transplant. I grew up for 20 years in Texas, and now I live in the Midwest. I was in Chicago for about 10 years, and now I'm an hour north. My house overlooks a forest preserve halfway between Chicago and Milwaukee. Boy, that's quite a transplant from Texas to to there. So yeah, no wonder you're cold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have my blanket. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And you have kids, correct? I do. I have three children, 11, 14, and 16. They, my oldest is a trans boy, so is biologically female and has transitioned. And then my other two are biological boys. Got it. Great. So, well, I know the, the story that you're going to be sharing or the journey you've been on starts with your first marriage. So you want to tell us a little bit about how you met him and take it from there? Sure. So I married pretty young for this era. I met my first husband. He worked with one of my college roommates and he was very charming, very gregarious. And at 25, when I met him, exciting to me. And at the time I was very religious. And to me, I had this expectation that I would only be intimate with my husband. So this all played into my experience that I was trying very hard to do it right. Now I went against my own rules and ended up pregnant before I got married. And again, I was trying to do it right. So we got married and that was my 16 year old uh, at the time. So I had only been dating this husband a few months when we were suddenly expecting. And I was just putting my head down, taking care of the baby, not really evaluating, is this someone I want to spend my life with? I think at 24, 25, I didn't really have even an idea of what the rest of my life, like I didn't have a sense of time. So I married someone that really wasn't a good match for me. It wasn't a healthy relationship, but again, we had a lot of fun. And so 
I was able to sweep a lot of other things under the rug, ignore them and just, you know, have this kind of fun life. We were married for about seven years. Yeah. And you had other kids with him then? I did. Yes. So my, all three of my children were from that marriage. Uh, I had a kid every two and a half years. Seems to be 18 months. I start Jones and need another baby. So, (laughs) Uh so what was the, what were the challenges or the things that you were sweeping under the rug then? What made this not a good fit for you? Other than the fact that you really didn't know him all that well, I would assume when you were all of a sudden together. Yeah. You know, I didn't actually recognize the problems until I was in therapy after seven years because there were patterns of emotional abuse and manipulation that I did not recognize at the time for what they were. Mm -hmm. I, being a very empathic person and a bit of a people pleaser, I was very happy to be told what to think. And for seven years, I was basically told I was wrong, that I was overreacting to things that just made to doubt myself. And there was, I mean, now I can see it a mile away. I am so skilled at recognizing emotional abuse. But back then, I just had this vague sense all the time that I'm doing things wrong. And, you know, there were like snide comments. There were passive aggressive comments to the kids about me. There was a lot of gaslighting. There was a lot of cruelty, but nothing that was overt enough to stop and say, wait, this is abuse. Mm -hmm. And again, it wasn't until we were at a crisis point and I was in therapy. He was in therapy. We were in couples therapy. We were both attending 12-step programs. He was a serial cheater. And through all that process of that year, I started to recognize this is what mistreatment looks like. This is what's happening to you. And then I also recognized what it had done to me and how much I'd lost even my inner voice. I didn't trust myself in any way. Yeah. So what was it that prompted going to therapy? What was the, you know, was there one event that kind of made it all of a sudden not be okay anymore to keep going as you were going? That's a great question. I know part of it was that the kids were old enough now that they didn't need so much intense one-on-one. Like I had three kids under five and at this point, the youngest was two and he just uh, kind of went along for the ride, you know, having two older siblings, but I discovered an affair and it had been going on for several months. And that's what really Prompted. Uh, sent me spiraling and, and caused us to spend a year. I, I made him live in the basement um, for my own, like, boundary. (laughs) He went and lived in the basement and we tried to do all that work. And we spent that year trying to figure out, can we make it through this or not? Yeah. I mean, good for you for having that boundary while Mm -hmm. you were working through it. That's great. It doesn't sound like you lost all of your sense of self. That's true. There was a glimmer of Holly still in there. Yeah. Okay. So what did you learn, whether it was through therapy or the looking glass as you've come out of it and looked back, what did you learn or what do you wish you'd known at the time? What do you have to, I don't know, share about that, that experience now that you wish you'd known then, I guess, as such a, a young woman taking all of yeah. this on and trying to manage through? I would say, I mean, I think the process is where I learned it. So I don't know if I could have shortened it there. It just took it to, for me to learn what I know now. There was a long process of learning to hear my own thoughts 
And that sounds so basic, but I remember sitting at a restaurant with my ex-husband when we were still going through that year. And he said something and I just heard a voice in my head said, no, you didn't. And I told my therapist about this and she says, that's your inner voice and you have lost it. Isn't that strange? Like now I think like I hear that myself talk all the time, but when it is a threat to push back against someone who's abusive to you, you put away parts of yourself to stay safe. And there was a day after a year of us trying to work through it, I had him leave the house because I found out there'd been more affairs and he'd still been lying to me after that year. So after that, I remember rearranging furniture in one of our rooms and just having a breakdown because I didn't know how to decide where to put the shelves. I couldn't decide for myself. I was so used to deferring and to being told and I just couldn't handle it. Or even working in the yard, like wanting to cut down these bushes and having a breakdown because I didn't know if I was making the right choice or not. And it was by making little choices every day Mm -hmm. And trusting that if I do this wrong, I will still be safe because that's really what it came down to is not whether the choice is right or wrong, but can I survive this choice being wrong? If I cut down the bushes and I wish I hadn't, is there a threat to my person? And it really, it was so primal and it was so unconscious. And I also, I think the most effective thing I did in that whole year and something I still do, and now I teach is I used image making drawing through this specific process that because when you're faced with a big sheet of paper and you have to make marks on it, that's all your own choice. That's all you're trusting yourself and you're letting go of it's going to be a pretty picture or not. You're just, what's the next color? What's the next shape? And for an hour, it's all your own will. Mm -hmm. And it's also when you're using images, you're accessing your subconscious, your deepest knowing. And that was profoundly healing because I would come out of a session and it would, it would almost be like I was dreaming while I was awake and I would come away with new insights. I would come away with new certainties. And I really learned to trust myself through that process. I'm, I'm sorry. This is when you were in like an hour long, just doing your art is what so you were- I went to a, there was a place in Evanston, Illinois that it's called Open Studio Project. Mm-hmm. And it is a process art studio where you go and you make art and it's a, a specific process. It's not just image making. There's also journaling and there's sharing with others. And I would go weekly and it would, I would say out of therapy, 12 steps, everything we did, the most efficient and accelerated growth I had was through that process. How did it help you tune in to your inner knowing or what is it about art that really resonates for you? And were you really into art before or is this something new because it was so helpful? Oh, good question. You know, I was, I've always considered myself a maker. Like I used to sew and I would decoupage chairs and I'm always got a project going, but I'd never drawn or painted or anything. And even the word art is kind of tricky with this because none of it's about the outcome. None of it's about the picture you have at the end necessarily. It really is about like making an image or making a piece of work is a microcosm for how you live your life. Where do you hesitate? What do you do when you don't know what to do? How do you try anyway when you don't have the skill? Just it is 
so revealing as like an initiatory experience, like a self-growth experience. And there's also something about working in images. That's the subconscious part of the brain is images. So you're learning in a way that you can't learn by talking through something or journaling about it. And the brain, like, let's say I draw a picture of a cup randomly one day, that cup has associations in my mind with every experience I've ever had with a cup. And then I draw next to it a tree and my brain is making connections between a tree and a cup. And suddenly a new insight comes up that wouldn't have come up if I'd just been writing about my feelings. So it's kind of miraculous. Like when I would do an image, I would almost be a passenger on the ride. And by the end of it, I would have new revelations that came from my subconscious. You know, it is a way of knowing things and a way of realizing things that is, I don't think you can do many other ways. So I was so moved by it because I was actually diagnosed with PTSD during this divorce. So this became really important for me to go through. It's just the trauma of being lied to over and over again. It, you start to doubt your reality. Yeah. I got to a point where I couldn't feel my arms. I was having derealization, depersonalization. And so moving my body, making a big drawing on the wall was really healthy. Working in images is you're shutting down your analytical overthinking mind. It, in so many ways, it was healing. So in 2017, I went back and got certified to a facilitator of the same process. And I use it all the time since then, um, dealing with life. So do you, as facilitating the process, do you use it to help, say, women or whoever, people specifically work through trauma or to just tune into their inner knowing? I mean, mm -hmm. is it specifically for folks going through therapy like you were and, you know, dealing with things? Well, you know, I've had sessions in my home with anyone. Mostly women are drawn to it, mm -hmm. I, I see. I find that it can be especially therapeutic for people who are going through major transitions in their life, mm -hmm. like transformations of identity. I have incorporated this into the childbirth classes I've been teaching for 15 years. There is a night where we do drawing. And so they're going through a huge identity shift, becoming parents. But I do notice that the people drawn to the classes are curious about like trusting themselves, that inner knowing. They're called to it for some reason. And typically there's a catalyst in life that's like, I don't know what to do next. I'm going to go draw about it. That's great. It does make sense that you're shutting down that analytical mind that, you know, or the monkey mind that just keeps taking you down rabbit holes and overthinking it makes a lot of sense. I would have never come up with that on my own, but I love it. Yeah. And so I should credit, this is the work of Pat B. Allen. She uh -huh. lives in the Chicago area and she's the one who created this specific method. I have changed it up a little bit based on my work that I've done, but Open Studio Project is the place in Evanston where someone can go and do this, but she's written a couple books as well, Pat Allen. She originally created the system because she was coming off of an alcohol addiction and she was trying to figure out how can I access creativity without substances. And so that's how this method came about because there's a sequence of five steps. It's not just the drawing. And then as a, since I've been a childbirth educator and a doula for 15 years, I have spent my career helping people get into just being present to the moment coping with the unknown, getting through a physical, emotional event, 
how do you do that with presence and awareness? And so there's a lot of things I add to not just the drawing, but other things that help you stay mindful, focusing on your breath, all sorts of kind of hacks that help people shut down their, or slow your brainwaves and then just getting into your subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. It's really what it, what it is. That's, that's phenomenal. So bring us up to date. So you went through therapy and used tools like these art sessions to come into your own and kick the ex-husband out. So what do you do now? You mentioned being a doula, and I know you have three kids, which is a lot in addition to everything else you were handling. So after that year, so I was a single mom for several years and I kicked so much ass. I was such a, I mean, I thrived in being so busy and having to support the kids. And at the time I was living in the city of Chicago, I was running birth classes out of my home. I was attending births. I had a long list of babysitters in order for that to happen. You know, when you get called to a birth at 2 a.m., you need to have reliable childcare. And then a few years later, I met my current husband and I manifested him. I actually read this fantastic book called Inspired Dating, and it had you write down, like, who do you want? Instead of you go on a date and you figure out, well, if I could take or leave this guy, it was the same kind of idea of starting with who am I, what do I want, and what are my non-negotiables? And so I wrote this list of 32 things and my current husband has 30 out of 32. And the two things he doesn't have are the things we fight about all the time. (laughs) But he's a, he is, I call him my unicorn. We've been together seven years now and it is the most healthy relationship in my entire family, extended family. He is very good with my kids. He's a very solid person. And the one thing I think I learned after the first marriage is It's less about agreeing on everything. And it is about being with someone who you know that you can work out whatever you disagree with in a compassionate and like giving way. You're assuming the best of the other person. And if you have that, so much else can be worked through. And he is someone who cares about me in a way that he would never say something that's hurtful or, you know, all of, all the emotional abuse I experienced. Right. And that's so true. You're never going to agree with someone a hundred percent of the time. So there's got to be the trust and the collaboration, cooperation to be able to work through things in a positive way. Yeah. And so as far as my career, I've just recently, just this last year, retired from on-call labor support. The I'm 42 at this point and being awake for two nights in a row, twice a, twice a month, my body is not able to handle anymore. It's a lot. Everyone should give their doulas a big tip or a massage or something because it's, it's an average burnout like three years. Doula work is very intense. But I still teach childbirth classes and I am moving now towards online classes of this process art, as well as all the things I've brought with me to help people get through birth they're just great for life. And so helping people have these meditation tools, mindfulness tools, all those sorts of things. I'm still in the works on that one, but I'm very excited about creating something that would be as helpful as it was for me. Yeah, that's great to know. I was going to ask you if you were going online with that because, you know, my audience is all around the world and I'm halfway across the country from you. So I wouldn't be able to participate in such an amazing process if you weren't online. That's great right. to know. Yeah, it's. I think the universe is kind of forcing my hand at this point. So, I mean, I'm going through more difficulty with one of my children and the only way I'm coping right now is with my art sessions. And I'm just thinking like more people need to know about it. Yeah. 
because it's so yeah. And the more tools, if you're going through a hard time, the better, because not everything resonates. But if you're drawn at all to creativity, that just sounds like such an amazing way to deal. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it sounds awesome. Well, Holly, thank you. This has been really inspiring. Do you have anything we haven't touched on yet that you'd like people to know that might be going through a challenging situation right now, whether it's emotional abuse or, you know, some other thing as a parent or spouse? I would say the most important thing is taking moments to get really still and checking in with yourself on I mean, for instance, there are times when I feel like there were people when I was going through the divorce, there would be people that were suddenly unsafe to me. Like one of my closest friends was very sympathetic to my ex. And while I could hear what she was saying, I just kind of realized like, oh, she's someone I can't share with right now. And I felt guilty. I felt bad about that. But getting still and really listening to myself, I've never been wrong when I had that little spidey sense of this person isn't safe. Even one of my therapists or our couples therapist was a little judgmental of some things I did, but he didn't see what was going on behind the scenes. And I, I gained through that process, just more self-trust of if I'm having a little bit of emotion of like, I don't know, I feel off slowing down, getting still listening to that little feeling of being off or this isn't right, or I don't feel safe. I recognize that much better now, but it took really slowing down to start to hear that voice through that whole process. Yeah. And trusting yourself. Yeah. And that, I mean, it, and it's going to take time to start to, it's like learning a new language. I think getting back in con- connection with yourself. I don't think it happens that quickly if you've lost it. Yeah. Really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Well, Holly, thank you for your time and sharing your story. And we will be sure to include some information on how to connect with Holly and find out more about her classes that are going online soon in the show notes. So thank you for being here and thank you for tuning in. If you're like most women, You have a big dream on your heart and really want to make a positive impact in the lives of others. But self-doubt, fear, or other limiting beliefs often get in your way. What many women don't realize is that the one thing that can catapult them forward is deepening their self-love and self-esteem. So I have a free ebook for you that's really going to help you in this area. It's called 30 Days to Deepen Self-Love, and you can download it at the link in our show notes. Enjoy.